Tonight, I'd like for us to open our Bibles. Well, if you want to go ahead and open to Genesis 49, uh, that's a passage I want us to look at, and, and you can go back a little and uh, look at some... Uh, I, I want to do a little bit of a survey from the life of Joseph and talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of those things that we have to get good at. Um, it's hard. It doesn't come naturally. Our, our natural inclination is to just write people off and be done with them. That's usually what the world does when they get upset with folks. They just say, all right, I learned my lesson. I'm not going to mess with them anymore. And and they just go a different direction. But because we're disciples of Jesus, we are more invested in people than to do that. Jesus is invested. What would it be like if Jesus just bailed on us when we failed him? Uh, we would be hopeless uh, he he keeps working with us, and that's what I want us to be able to accomplish and do in our Christian life. Joseph, we know the story, and I want to rehearse some things and look at some things from his life that remind us of uh, some lessons that we need to learn about forgiveness. Joseph was um, a, a favored child. That was part of the problem. His dad created some of the problem that Joseph had or helped to create some of the problem that Joseph had because he was born to his favorite wife. And he showed him partiality and he got him this coat of many colors that the text talks about. And the other brothers had nothing. And you can imagine treating your children uh, with favoritism. If you really, today, if you really did do that, you, you would create such conflict in, in your homes. Today at the lunch table, our kids were having a discussion. Kelly, uh, Anne-Marie, and Matthew were all sitting there, and they had given me some Father's Day presents, and they said, which one do you like the most? Uh, it was a competition for them, and uh, they wanted me to tell, and then they said, now, which one is your favorite child? And, uh, you know, they, they, they went back and forth about that a little time. But what if you really had that kind of partiality and openly showed it and displayed it? Would that not cause resentment? That's what Mo, uh, Joseph lived under. His dad showed that kind of favoritism, and all the brothers knew it, and, and they didn't like Joseph because of it. And Joseph began having these dreams that, um, and he wasn't shy about sharing them. He, he told about these dreams where all of his brothers and even his father would bow down to him and, and uh, pay homage to him. And, oh, that just infuriated them more. And so one day when he was to go out and check on his brothers, uh, his brother saw him coming and said, there he is. Let's, let's do away with him. And they took him and they were going to kill him. They threw him in a pit. Uh, Reuben said, hold off on the killing. Let's think this through a little bit. So they just threw him in a pit and held him there until they decided, oh, there was a band of Ishmaelites that were traveling by going to Egypt. And they said, hey, let's just sell him. Let's sell him into slavery. He'll go off with them. We'll be rid of him just the same, and his blood won't be on our heads. They decided to do that. Think of how that changed Joseph's life. All the plans that he ever had for himself, and, and you know, I, I don't know, I don't guess he had the, the choices that we have today for our life's future and the things that we might plan to do with our lives. I, I don't guess he had as many choices as we have, but he had his own choices. There are things that he wanted to do with his life, but now they're just, they're blown out of the water. 
because he's now a slave. He's been sold into slavery and, and sold off and taken to a land that isn't his own land. And Well, there he is working as a slave in the house of Potiphar. And um, I'm sure that's not what he would have chosen for himself, to be a slave in someone else's house. While he was there, Potiphar's wife took a liking to him. The Bible says that Joseph was a good-looking man. And she apparently realized that, and she didn't have any scruples. And so she began trying to entice him to have uh, an affair with her. And he would tell her no. And this went on and on, day after day. It wasn't a one-time momentary slip, a weakness on her part, and then she like fought better after she had done it. She continued to entice and to try to entrap him, and he continued day by day to resist the the advances of this woman. Finally, one day, she grabbed a hold of him, and he kind of wiggled out of his clothes and and ran, and she is now mad. Um, She's been scorned. And so she takes that coat, and she waits till her husband gets home, and she says, "That, that man that you have brought into our house to take care of things. He has tried to rape me today. And right here's his clothes, see? Well, Potiphar did what probably any husband would have done, had him arrested, thrown into prison. And now he's in prison. That's not what Joseph would have chosen for himself. And while in prison, he began to interpret dreams of some of the prisoners. There was the baker and the butler, and he he interpreted their dream. And and he informed the butler that he would be restored to the king's duty and that he would be in the presence of the king once again, and he would be out of this place. But he said, please, remember me when you get out. Please do that. Don't forget that I'm in here. Say a good word to the king about me. The butler gets out just like Joseph predicted, says nothing. Forgets all about Joseph. He spends more time in prison because of it. And a couple years later, when the king has a dream and wants an interpretation of it, the butler says, oh yeah, there's that guy back in prison. Oh, I was supposed to say something about him. I totally forgot. And so he tells the king about Joseph. In the meantime, Joseph had to spend a couple more years in this prison because of this butler's lack of attention and lack of care and lack of gratitude. Well, Joseph eventually gets out, and as you know, he interprets the king's dreams, and and he's placed in a position second only to Pharaoh. And it was that time when there was a famine in the land, but Joseph had prepared because of God being on his side and and guiding him. He had made preparations, and, and people from all over the world were coming to him for food because he had stored up and made provisions. His brothers come for food. Now he's in a position to set the score, to to set the record straight, to even the score. He's second to Pharaoh. Do you know what he could have done to his brothers? When he revealed to them, I'm your long-lost brother Joseph, do you remember they thought we're dead? That there's no way we can live now. He'll kill us all. Um, he said, you meant it to me for evil, but God uh, meant it for good. Um, I'm, I'm past it. I've, I've forgiven you. And they had this grand reunion. What might he have done to Potiphar and Potiphar's wife? 
when he got this position and power. Could he not have taken vengeance on Potiphar's wife? Oh yeah, you remember that lie? You cost me years in prison. Um, I'll get you too. Joseph didn't fight back. In fact, that's why I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 49. And I want you to see what Jacob says as he gives these final blessings to his sons. Um, some of them are not so good because they were wicked men in their, their dealings, and, and Jacob uh, was aware of that. But listen to what he says of Joseph, beginning in verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by, the, by a well. Its branches, his branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. But his bow remains in strength. And the arms of his hand were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there, uh, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Here's what Jacob said of his son Joseph. Joseph, you know what? All your life, people have been taking pot shots at you. People have fired against you. You know, the archers, and he uses the idea of a bow. We, we might say pot shots, taking pot shots. People have have pulled back the bow and let loose at Joseph all of his life. But Jacob says, but you know what? You haven't fired back. Even though they have been shooting at you all your life, you have pulled back your bow, but your bow remains in strength. Now, they didn't have compound bows like we have today. You know, they're hard to pull back for that little bit, and then you get that, you know, ah, it's easier. But even with that kind of a bow, you can't hold that indefinitely. But imagine using the kind of bow and arrow that those people would have used back then, just a straight pullback. How long can you hold that? Not indefinitely. Eventually, you're going to get tired and you're going to weaken and you're going to let loose. But Joseph never let loose. He could have fired at his brothers, but his bow remained in strength. He could have fired at Potiphar's wife, but his bow remained in strength. He could have fired at the butler who forgot him and left him in that dungeon, but his bow remained in strength. It wasn't by his own might. It wasn't because Joseph was just this really noble guy. Jacob realized that it was because his hands were strengthened by the the mighty hands of God. That's what enabled him to resist. I don't know that we have it within ourselves to endure hardship and to endure, to endure um, being mistreated and then just to treat people the way they're spo- they want to be treated. I don't know that we can muster that apart from a relationship with Jesus. Uh, you know, the relationship with God, the relationship with Jesus, um, that empowers me to, to do more than I would normally do if I had no relationship with him. And so tonight I want us to look, that's the story, that's the setting, but I want to point out just a few things about forgiveness. Joseph seemed to have had it down. He treated people better than they deserved. God treats us better than we deserve. How can we treat others better than they deserve? Here are a few suggestions. Recognize, number one, that life isn't always fair. That's a hard lesson to learn. I don't like that. Um, you know, I, I want the good, the, the guy, the Westerns, 
The guy with the white hat always was the good guy. The guy with the black hat was always the bad guy. Do you remember those old westerns? And, and in the end, the white hat was always going to win. But um, life doesn't work that way. Sometimes the bad guy wins. Sometimes he's the one that's successful. Sometimes it's the good guy that, that fails and, and is killed, and the bad guys seem to prosper. Habakkuk said, you know, I look around and, and I see those who are trying to do righteous. It never prevails. They're, they're encompassed by the wicked, and, and they prosper, and we suffer. It's not fair. The sooner we come to the realization that life isn't fair, the, the sooner we begin to cope with disappointments and to manage and process the whole concept of forgiveness. Look at how hardship is sometimes brought upon people who are doing the right thing. Um, Noah spends a year in an ark with uh, those animals and his family and the hardship of doing that and, and however long it took for him to build that ark and, and do all the things. Man, that was hard. But he was one who found favor in the eyes of the Lord. God's favor didn't mean his ease and comfort. Think of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and how she was blessed among all women. And yet, how hard must it have been for her to walk down the street for those people that didn't believe her story? Oh yeah, she said an angel from heaven came and the child is conceived of the Holy Spirit. Well, we know better. Do you think that people might have said that about her? Not those who believe in God and who have respect for God, but those who didn't must have thought, now I've heard everything. And think of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, Jesus said, he's a chosen vessel. He's he's someone that I have hand-selected to go speak to kings and authorities. But